Hey folks, welcome to the Battles of the First World War podcast, episode SA9, an interview with Christopher Huang. So in this standalone episode, we have an interview with Christopher Huang, who is the author of the recently released detective novel, A Gentleman's Murder. This is a slight departure from the BFWWP's usual lineup, but I thought it would be good to support a young author writing a story in which the Great War has a strong presence. A Gentleman's Murder was a fun read. The main character of the story, Lieutenant Eric Peterkin, is a veteran of the trenches in Flanders and France, as are nearly every other member of the Gentleman's Club to which he belongs. Peterkin takes it upon himself to solve an unprecedented murder in the club when he suspects the case is not exactly going to be solved by the police. Christopher Huang grew up in Singapore and moved to Canada when he was 17 years old. He returned to Singapore the following year for two years of military service before going to McGill University in Montreal to study architecture. He currently lives in Montreal, and these days, he is pursuing the dream of writing full-time. Lucky, lucky, and that's awesome. Mr. Huang is a longtime fan of the golden age of detective fiction, and in that spirit, he writes his debut novel in the hopes that readers will figure out on their own who the killer is. A Gentleman's Murder is available through the Inkshares site, local booksellers, and Amazon. Links to the book will be provided in the episode description as well as on the website post and social media. Check out the book and support an up-and-coming author. Hope you enjoy. All right, all right, folks. Uh, welcome to the Battles of the First World War podcast. Uh, a very special guest here today. Um, I am here with uh, Mr. Christopher Huang, uh, author of the newly released or recently released uh, A Gentleman's Murder, a uh, detective novel set in post-World War I Britain. Mr. Huang, welcome. Yep. Um, thank, thank you for having me. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, so I was um, really excited to, to read this book, and this was a, a fun, fun novel. We'll talk about it in a, in a bit. Um, but I would... I would as someone who has enjoyed the writing process in the past, um, I would love to hear about like like how this idea came up for this book. If if you want to talk about the book yourself, <laughs> rather than have me do it, so. <laughs> uh, please go right ahead. Um, sure. Well. Um, okay. Well. Uh, okay. The curious thing is that it actually begins with the French impressionists. Wow. <laughs> okay. Believe it or not. Um, at, a, uh, at one point, I was just reading up a lot about the French Impressionists, and uh, one thing mm. that always struck me about them was that they had this camaraderie, if you will. Um, they were this uh, very tight-knit group of people of similar interests. Mm -hmm. And uh, it occurred to me that the, only, that the one place I'd seen this sort of camaraderie was in the army. Okay. And uh, so it was a... Well, and another thing was that I wanted to, I, you know, I like mysteries. I wanted to write a mystery. So I said, mm -hmm. okay, I will inspire myself with this. Uh, 
the whole the whole group of people, you know, you know, of similar interests coming together, you know, that basically lent itself to the idea of a of a gentleman's club. Yeah. And because I was writing, you know, because I just chose in the nineteen twenties, mm-hmm. uh, uh, kind of obviously you've got uh, people who have come out of the First World War, so all that just combined together, you know. You mix things in and apart. You pull something out, and this this was basically it. Wow, that's great. That's cool. That's super cool. Awesome. Have Have you always been um, uh, interested in writing, like even like as a as a teenager per se, or anything <laughs> like that? Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I think I have. Um, well, when I was when I was very young, uh, you know, I was, you know, English was one of my favorite classes in uh, in school. Okay. So. Uh, uh, and you know, I got a lot, a lot of encouragement that way. You know, I like to read, and I, you know, like to, you know, and I really enjoyed writing compositions and uh, um, uh, for for class for for my homework. Okay. So, uh, so, so yeah, that, that was very encouraging. Uh, I remember very early on saying that you know, yeah, this is what I want to do with with my life. I want to be a writer, and everybody's saying, ah, no, 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 you know, get yourself a real job first. <laughs> Right, right. I want to be the, the starving artist. Yeah. <laughs> uh, starving artist is a very um, romantic image, but it's not very much fun when you're actually there. Right. Yes. Yes. <laughs> I agree. I agree. <laughs> not, not that I've ever been starving, thankfully. Um, I, I can, I can understand. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. Yeah. Um, so in, English was your favorite class. You were always into writing. Um, yes, and and. Um, Super cool. And now you say in, I believe in, in um, one, one of the either Ink Shares or, uh, or your own website, uh, we have, uh, you, you write about like you, you were into um, detective stories even, even as a child. Yep. Yep. It was, uh, I love the whole idea of, you know, of, dig, of digging into, you know, secrets and then unearthing the truth behind wow. everything. Oh, super oh, cool. You know, it's funny, like I, um, as I recall, and I'm, I'm not sure that this is accurate, but like I really, myself, like I really got into, um, really became interested in reading when I was about eight years old and I discovered uh, the, the Hardy Boys in, uh, in my local library. So that's where I started. Yeah, I, um, that would be about the same age that I discovered the Hardy Boys as well. Oh my god! I read. I think I read every single one, and they were the old like blue novels from the yeah, the blue the spine, 19th, yeah, the hardcover. Yeah, yeah, and they were great. They were great. Um, yeah, and then then in the fifth grade, I I discovered um, the oh my goodness, the uh, uh, I'm not sure if you've ever heard of um, Mac Bolin and uh, the, he was. Mac Bolin, the the executioner, and, uh, and uh-huh. Phoenix Force, and this was getting into the world of like anti-terrorist commandos. So like for a 10 year old boy, I was like, my reading, I just took off from there as well. Like it just like went up a notch. Uh, but yeah. But it was Hardy boys that, that kicked it all off. Yeah. So very special place uh, in my heart for those two. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I think I've seen a few Mac Bolin books uh, on the shelf. So I haven't actually read them. <laughs> I, I kind of went in the opposite direction, you know, uh, more more into the whole, um, you know, the whole intellectual game of uh, of the detective story. 
Yeah. I, yeah. <laughs> I think you picked the better route. I went the route of like action and stuff. And, uh, but, uh, I mean, like I, I got to learn a lot about countries. So like, mm-hmm. you know, when I was, when I was 13, I think I could, uh, provide a pretty detailed analysis of like the state of Iraq, mm-hmm. you know, like in the Middle East. So, yeah. um, based off those books, but, uh, but yeah. Um, and now you, you yourself, now you yourself grew up in Singapore. Yeah, that's right. And then, if I'm correct, you went to Canada uh, in your teen years? Yes. Yeah. And then you had a – Singapore has a has a military service requirement. Yep. Uh, and now and now you went you went back to to fulfill that that obligation. Yep. Yeah, I did. Wow, super cool. Now, <laughs> what um was that like? I know it was a requirement, yep. but like, and I um. Like I'm, I'm ex-military myself, um, so I really, I really appreciate that. Like, um, and my understanding is like, like you, you didn't have to. Am I, am I wrong in that? Um, well, if I, if I wanted to be in a position where I could never go back because then I'd be, you know, arrested and put sent to prison, then sure, I could, I could, I could always just skip out. That's all. Oh, I see. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So I, I understand. Yes. It, Yes, it would behoove you to, to go and fulfill your time. Yeah. Okay, yeah. understood. <laughs> and I, um, if I like, what, what, what was that like? What, like, what, what was your your military experience like? What, what was like? What was your boot camp like? Oh, uh, well, boot camp was boot camp. You know how it is. It's uh, a lot of yes. people shouting at you, throwing you out of bed, yeah. uh, trying to do things on way too much, way too little sleep. Um, <laughs> yes. Uh, yeah, it, it was not, it, it was not fun and I don't, and it was never really meant to be, but, uh, right. it was also a, educational, I think, you know, it opened, it mm-hmm. opens your eyes to a lot of, lot of things, uh, just, just based on where I was in society at the time, mm-hmm. you know, um, you get an idea of what, uh, what a normal person's life uh, educational life is supposed to be like or what life is supposed to be like really and you make assumptions about how everybody is supposed to live their life and then you go into the army and now you're rubbing elbows with people from all walks of uh, of society and you realize yeah. that uh, that your assumptions about how life works just isn't true you know yes yeah yes I, I found out that I was that I had grown up very very sheltered myself oh yeah um, yeah and yeah. uh it was it was a very big very yeah just, just like you say like a very very eye-opening mm-hmm. experience um uh a, a very very good friend of mine years previous um he told me there's he's um he's portuguese and he mm-hmm. was from the portuguese army and uh he said um there's a saying in that like people who go into the army with their eyes closed, like mm-hmm. the army will open them for you. Oh yeah. And people who go into the army with their eyes open, the army will close them for you. <laughs> oh dear. Kind of hard, hard to explain, but I was like, I get it. I get it. And I remember being in boot camp and being like, Oh yes, I get it. I can't explain it. But I get it. I get it. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I guess it pulls you out of one mindset towards another. Um, now you, you, you served two years. Yes, that's right. 
two years. And um, and you served in the in the Signal Corps. Uh, yeah. Well, um, I was a signaler attached to a to an armored division. So, uh, wow. so tech. Technically, I could have been, you know, in the in the back of some Land Rover somewhere with an arm with an armored officer, you know, working with a um, uh, with a radio set. That uh-huh. would, uh, being on the brigade level, I guess, is a bit makes life a little easier than if you're further down on the battalion level. Just mm-hmm. and, uh, mm-hmm. So I guess I kind of lucked out that way. I actually, kind of, I actually really enjoyed my last year and a half. You know what? Oh, yeah, really? once once boot camp was out of the way, once signal school was out of the way, you know, I did not really mm-hmm. have fun at either of those places because, um, well, I'm not actually a very good soldier. Let's just say. <laughs> so well, it's also the, the nature of the school to to be as unpleasant as possible. Yeah, and uh, yeah, I did not really enjoy those that uh, that first uh, training uh, period. But once I got settled in, you know, I I actually quite quite enjoyed myself. Yeah. Oh, that's cool. Because I actually one of my questions here was like, how how do you look back on your military service? And it seems like here here we are. So, <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. I, I guess I'll say it's it's something I'm very glad to have done, but not something mm-hmm. I would like to do again. <laughs> you know. Sure. <laughs> Understandable and understood. Mm-hmm. Sure. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. How how has like your your time in the service helped uh, inform the book? Like you're you're writing about these everyone and pretty much every male figure in in the book is a is a veteran, mm-hmm. um, and particularly a veteran of of the Great War. Mm-hmm. So how how has that helped you? Like is it helped you like get into their mindset? I, I think so uh, a bit. I I don't want to say definitively because. <laughs> Because there's bound to be mm-hmm. someone out there who you know who has a different idea of how, of how people think, but uh, I, I think to 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 a certain extent uh, that uh, I it has given me some insight into into how the mindset works. You know, the whole there's definitely an idea of you know of banding together of of keeping things inside the family, as it were. You know, you don't. Yeah. You, you, you don't. You, you don't want to um, involve outside authority if you can handle an an issue yourself inside. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yep. Yep. Understood. Yeah. Yeah. That's with many organizations, but definitely understandable. Something like like the military, especially like a, a century ago. Mm-hmm. You know. Um, yeah. Very. Very cool. Very cool. Um, before we we get into the book, I would like to talk a little bit, um, if you would, about um, ink shares yep. and your your book has been published through ink shares <laughs> and how like how does ink shares work i find i find this very interesting uh well um ink shares provides you with a uh with a site for you to post up the uh your book basically details about your book a few sample mm-hmm. chapters if you want for people to read basically everything you need to uh you know to Encourage people to come and pre-order your book, and wow. uh, cool. and then uh, then what you do is you um, open up what they call a pre-order campaign, which is where you try mm-hmm. to get you know as many people to come and pre-order copies of your book as possible. And uh, based on the strength of this, um, they either publish you or they don't. Oh, okay. Yeah, it's. Uh, I guess the idea is to um, 
it's to judge is to um, judge viability. You know whether you know people are willing to put down money for this book. It's also the idea of you know how willing the writer is to work hard for uh, for the book. Oh, so wow. there, there are all these factors going in, uh, and then of course there's a whole editorial process after that, and uh, you know books can still die there. So it's oh, it's really about the um, uh, about the submission process. Really, it's just just a different way rather than have rather than have you submit your manuscript to to one person who you know may be having mm-hmm. a bad day. Let's say. <laughs> And turned it down yeah. because because you know he's too grumpy to uh, to really give it a second chance. <laughs> yes, yeah. Oh wow, interesting. Yeah, I you know the, uh, I I like this. This this seems to give it a um seems to give authors a a better chance at at being published because you're you're kind of hearing from the readers, mm-hmm. right, you know, like like you said, rather than from the publisher. It makes me uh, reminds me of a of a music band. Um, they. I remember watching an interview with them and they said um, they basically were recognized by the recording industry because their demo CD fell off of a stack <laughs> of other CDs, like onto the, onto their, the main contact person's <laughs> desk. And he happened to know them and <laughs> listen to it and then wound up giving them a call. But you know, like th- that's just like pure mm-hmm. luck, you know, and, and this to kind of um, take, take that out, uh-huh. you know, and put it more in a, <laughs> in a more democratic, small d uh-huh. democratic way. So super cool. Yeah. This, well, it, it's, it's awesome. Um, so the, the book is a, a gentleman's murder um, and it's set in 1920s um, Great yep. Britain. Uh, so it's post-war uh, and it involves a, a gentleman's mm-hmm. club uh, in which a, a murder is committed and thus begins the, the whole game mm-hmm. to, um, to find out you know, who, who mm-hmm. did it. Um, so you, you have always read, um, always kind of been into the, the, the detective mm-hmm. novel. Um, and I think you, you said it a, a, just a little bit earlier, the backdrop of world war one, mm-hmm. um, was that, that is, that is simply because like, it's kind of the time frame you were looking to operate in. That's, that's how it starts, I guess. Um, you know, mo- most of the detective stories I, you know, I've been reading at that time were set, in that time period. So, you know, I, I kind of, to begin with, it was kind of a thoughtless thing. You know, I just said, okay, I'm writing a detective story. The books I've been, uh, I've been, you know, modeling myself on were set in that period. So I will set myself in that period as well. Oh, and man. then it grows from there. Um, uh, one of the, one of the thoughts that I had at the beginning was that this was, the, this was right after, after World War One. I. I know that, you know, shell shock was a thing. I know that yes. there were all these issues arising from, uh, from you know, just having come out of, of the war. But I'm not really, I wasn't really seeing a lot of that in the literature I was reading. And, mm-hmm. you know, to be, to be fair, you know, you don't usually write about things that are, that people take for granted. And in that time, this was so much a part of their life, I think, that, you know, why bother mentioning it? Everybody knows. But, wow, that's interesting. I wasn't aware of that. So I decided that yeah, you know, I'm I'm going to put a bit more focus onto 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 it, and uh, um, and so this came up. You know, I 
initially said, you know, uh, I will have a little bit of a, a a little bit of reference to PTSD in here, and that little bit became a larger bit, and then a slightly larger bit, and it grew. Well, it's 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 there, and and um, it's really great that that you you work that into mm-hmm. the story, and in fact, I think I think through that, like I one thing I I kept coming back to in reading your novel is that um the war mm-hmm. the, like the war so we're in like the mid 20s yep. but like the war is is like it's a it's a presence in the mm-hmm. book almost like another character almost like a a ghost like <laughs> just out of reach but it's, it's always kind of there yeah. um and like I, I i'm curious to know if like if, if you used any references that like helped you capture this this mood because i'm i'm fairly certain like after you know, after World War One, like the the devastating losses in in Great Britain, like uh, I don't doubt that this was the mm-hmm. mood. I doubt that anybody could that you could meet any sort of man in the street and say like, so where where were you in the war? You know, or you know, like what did you do? Because everybody was involved, even men men mm-hmm. and women. So, um, is there anything you use to like kind of capture this this mood? Because it, it, it was brilliantly <laughs> well, done. Thank you. Um... Uh, well, there was a lot of poetry for one thing. Uh, okay. Um, I, I think uh, in terms of books, uh, the the one book that I did pick up was uh, uh, J C. It was a uh, J C. Dunn, uh, the War the Infantry knew. And, okay. And that was okay. uh, that was uh, cobbled together from the journals of a whole lot of soldiers who'd been uh, who'd been through the war. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's a little difficult to read in the sense that. There's no real one main character. It is cobbled together from a lot of different journals. So maybe at one point you're following, uh, you're following one guy who was, you know, on this side of the of the, of the trenches, and then at another point you're following this guy who was, I don't know, uh, you know, following the quartermaster. And mm-hmm. it never really tells you when you switch from one to the other. <laughs> so it just it just it just wow, flows yeah. and it flows and it flows. It's really more for the uh, for the different little anecdotes that come out. Mm-hmm. And uh, I was I was reading through through that quite quite a bit when I was working through my second draft. Uh, I oh, wow. didn't. I think I got as far as nineteen sixteen, but uh, but it was you know quite quite enough to get this idea of the people's attitudes. You know, the beginning is. Everybody is so eager to go in. You know, they're so worried that you know they'll get there, the thing will be over. And you know, right. from from our twenty first century perspective, we're just going there and thinking, "Oh, you poor guys, you have no idea." <laughs> right, right, right. Yeah. No, correct, yeah. correct. Yeah, it's yeah. it's um, but yeah, I I really like like there is this this constant. It's there all the time in the book, and I. Like I, that's one thing that I really appreciate about this story. Um, it, like, I mean, you, like it, anything, um, I, I would read a World War I cookbook, <laughs> um, the focus of the podcast, but it was like, it was really, really, really good to, to, to read that in the story. Um, and, and many of the characters um, do have PTSD in it and, and it comes out. Like, I, I really like, I liked reading about that. I'm like, oh, wow. I didn't realize. Okay, so this this is mm-hmm. this is happening. So, 
Um, yeah, that, that was yeah. Uh, that was an interesting thing, just because of how little people knew about shell shock and PTSD at the time. So, uh, I think one of the uh, one of the challenges and one of the fun things that I had was trying to talk about something uh, through through the eyes of someone who has no idea what it is. You know, wow, yeah. uh, have behaviors that someone today would recognize as you know, as coming out from PTSD, but having characters who have absolutely no clue, who just think that oh maybe this is just a personal quirk, this is just a thing that someone does, not realizing that right. you know it's a symptom of something. Right. Right. Yeah, and, and also you have this, you know, the, definitely this this culture of like we we don't talk mm-hmm. about it, and we you know you just you stifle it and you you put it away and it's over, mm-hmm. you know. So like, yeah. Um, now these the nineteen twenties. This the 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 backdrop, even the the setting of London and everything. Um, this this does coincide with the. Um, like Sax Romer, uh, like Fu Manchu, and 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 Inspector Chen era of, of detective uh, stories. Am, yep, am yep, you're right. This this was a time when uh, I think I mentioned somewhere that uh, that you know, an Oriental supervillain sold books faster than a sexy vampire. <laughs> yes, yeah, yeah. It, it, was, it was the Yellow Peril stories were very popular at the time. Uh, mm-hmm. Sax Romer actually. Uh, uh, I think the first, first Fu Manchu story was in 1907, so it had been going on for a while. Mm-hmm. And, and he was he was quite successful with with this mm-hmm. whole line. Uh, wow. Yeah, okay. we we don't really think about it that much today, I guess, just because it's kind of fallen out of fashion. But it was right, right. It I guess it could be very uncomfortable if if you happen to look like Fu Manchu yourself, you know. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> right. And then um, I I I loved. I, I read up a bit on on Inspector mm-hmm. Chan, and um, still still following into like falling into some stereotypes mm-hmm. there. And the actual mm-hmm. character of Inspector Chan was seems to me uh, hardly ever played by an uh, an, an actor of, of Asian mm-hmm. descent. Like they always would just pick a you know a, a Caucasian mm-hmm. man and basically. Mm-hmm you know i don't know what do what with makeup or something and it's like my god are you kidding like but yeah this this uh-huh. really happened so well uh i guess i guess in those days they, ne- they never really thought about this sort of thing they just said you know who's an actor we can use okay let's put him in makeup and you know make him be this uh wow <laughs> per i don't know you know you can always make excuses for, for these things and uh, you know, not not being there, we can't know. But uh, well, I mean, sure. Today we don't really have the same excuses. You know, today we're more aware. Today we actually have a whole a whole uh, lot of actual Asian actors who are totally willing to play the part. Yes. Yeah. Yes, and I and I feel that today, like they, you know, obviously, like hey, we have a like the the main character in in your novel is mm-hmm. Eric Peterkin, who is. Um, his mom, uh, his mother was mm-hmm. Chinese. Uh, his father was mm-hmm. uh, English. Um, a, f- a former uh, officer in the the Royal mm-hmm. Fusiliers. Um, great detail, by the way. Um, 
And so like, I, I don't think today, like they would say like, well, just yeah. find anyone. Like they would clearly go look out, look for, you know, um, maybe a, a British actor <laughs> of, of, of Asian descent, you know, like, <laughs> like get, get really close mm-hmm. to the character itself. So, yeah. like, so I'm glad, glad to see that's, that's mm-hmm. changed. Um, yeah. And Eric Peterkin is, um, I find him a very intriguing figure, uh, particularly for his, mm-hmm. his heritage. And, and, um, he gets, um, I, I don't quite know how to, he, he gets dogged for it, like very unfairly by uh, mm-hmm. another character, yep. Wolf. Um, where was, was your basis for, for Peterkin was, was there another officer in the British army, uh, in, in actual history with, with, with like a, a similar background? That, that uh, not that of? I'm aware of. Not really. Although okay. I think uh, there were quite a few Anglo-Indians around, you know, people who have of mixed British and and Indian descent. So it's um, mm-hmm. I wouldn't be entirely surprised if there were someone of uh, of English and Chinese descent. It's just not someone that I know about. But I would be fascinated to hear mm-hmm. about this person if he exists. Yeah, and I mean, and of course, like I, I think you. Uh, also accurately captured like the mood of the time if, if if there were and and doubtless there were they were probably you know made to feel um less mm-hmm. than equal to their you know british officers uh who were born on on the british isles i'm, I'm sure it was um just you know part of part of the time unfortunately um but i find i find that that interesting too um so eric peterkin is uh uh he is uh, the the main character in in the in the novel, a uh, uh, war yep. veteran himself, um, yep. officer in the in the Royal Fusiliers and the infantry, served a year in Flanders. So um, those experiences do come up. Um, I'm, I'm trying to be as vague <laughs> as possible so I don't feel anything, <laughs> but uh, but really really cool. I I have to say, and um, let let me just get this out before I, I actually wrote it down. So I saw. Myself as I, as I was reading this, um, I couldn't help it. Like uh, I saw Eric as um, kind of I envisioned him as um, Stephen Yoon, who is um, who played Glenn in um, the, the uh-huh. Walking Dead. Uh, I kind of saw him that way, and the character yep. of Wolf saw him as as an actor. I, <laughs> I just looked this up. Uh, his name is Jack Davenport. And he was in, I think, the first three Pirates of the Caribbean movies. He played the character of Norrington. Uh-huh. Um, he's kind of like the British officer, very <laughs> nutty, very arrogant, and uh, plays against Johnny Depp in the first three movies. Um, so I kind of saw him as I was like, yeah, he's a natural fit for war. That, so. that, that's pretty awesome, you know. It's you know, it's it's always wonderful when uh, you know when people are able to you know. Uh, place faces to, to names. I mean, it's flattering, I guess. Uh, I mean, every, oh, everybody has, everybody has different <laughs> ideas and, uh, and, sure. and sometimes I'll sit down and think, Oh, you know, such and such a person could do it or maybe such and such a, an other person. But uh, yeah, it's always a fun thing to do. And it's always wonderful to hear, hear other people's ideas. I, I, um, it was, it was, it's just a fun book. It was, it was fun. I, I liked it. I could see this, like, it, I also envisioned it in, in my head. I'm trying to think of like the, 
um, like as a as a as a movie, like feels a movie, like like what kind of lighting? Like there's a definite scene towards the end where um, that I really enjoyed, where I was like, oh wow, I could I could so see this happening. Um, as it was just really really fun. Um, will we see more of uh, Lieutenant or excuse me, Lieutenant? Um, uh, I certainly hope so. Um... Uh, my plan has always been to uh, um, to write more uh, more stories. Uh, I was originally going to to start to start working on the on the sequel, you know, a few months ago, but uh, a different story kind of uh, got in the way at this point. <laughs> so, uh, so I'm working mm-hmm. on that first. Uh, call it a bit of a palate cleanser before I get back to Eric Peterkin. Okay, well, that's great too. That's excellent. Oh, that's super cool. So, and, and what is this work that, that you're actually you're, you're working on now? What, what is the I, I know there's a title. Uh, yeah, it's um, the title is uh, Cat's Paw. Well, that's a working that's a working title. Okay. So you know, uh, things are always okay. subject to change. And uh, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, it's set in 1921. Once again, you know, just because I can't let go of that era. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> No, I, I um I thoroughly and I, I enjoy the era too. I'm a big fan of um there's a a BBC, a BBC show called um uh, uh-huh. Peaky Blinders uh yeah. set in the 1920s and it's amazing like um the the you know they they're all war vets as well and um they're not quite as upstanding <laughs> characters as uh, Lieutenant Peterkin uh, but uh the the fashion of the time and and everything is just utter, utterly fascinating so fun to watch as well but uh super cool so cat's mm-hmm. paws a working title set in 1921 set in uh, yes. britain as well yes. oh, excellent excellent okay oh wow that is that's really really cool and now this is if i may like this is a, a new detective story with with new characters uh like, yeah yeah it's uh it's it's a bit darker than uh than um than a gentleman's murder was at least as a plan Okay. Um, sure. And uh, yeah, it's and I guess the themes are a little are, are a little different. Um, I, I think you get around and see why it's not a not another Peterkin story eventually. But oh, cool. Okay, cool. Oh, that's super super interesting. Well, I'm I'm glad to hear that um that uh. I'm I'm interested in in um, the cat's paw story, um, but I'm also like interested to see um, uh, Lieutenant Peterkin come back, also with his friend uh, Avery. Uh, Avery, yep. Avery, who's it seems like a <laughs> quite quite a trip, quite a uh, quite a sidekick there. So very very interesting. Um, I, I really enjoyed the the whole idea of the the gentleman's club and how the story is very tied into that. Um, also, like little details, um, and I'm. Not going to say any more, but I especially enjoyed the detail of the. I believe it was the, the dent in the bar oh, yeah. in the club, um, and, and how it was caused. I was like, I was like, that. If I don't know if, if that is not something that actually happened, that is something that I could definitely see happening in a, in a place like that. So. <laughs> Like it was a really cool detail to, to 
to hear that like oh wow oh my god i, I could totally see that happening in a, in a place like that like you take care <laughs> of problems inside here so I I like to think of it as uh, as you know one one of those incidental little details that tie the Peterkin family to the club. It emphasizes that yeah. you know this is this is in a way a family concern. And... Yes, yes, and I mean it. It makes it the thing is like that detail, like that one detail, like right there. It helps make everything so much more believable. Like oh yeah, like I, I mean. You know how like something like that could happen, you know, <laughs> having been in the world long yeah. enough. <laughs> so, oh, that's great. Oh, well, that's that's wonderful, wonderful. So, um, yeah. This, so the book is mm-hmm. a gentleman's murder. Um, it's out through uh, published mm-hmm. through Ink Shares right now, um, and it is available. Where, where uh, is it available, sir? Well. You see Amazon because everything's available through Amazon. Uh, Barnes and Noble is carrying it. I understand. Yeah. Uh, if you're in Canada, there's also uh, chapters in Indigo. Uh, there are various bookstores. Uh, I, I would encourage people to check their local bookstores because you know local bookstores, you know, they uh, they need our business. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Yes. Correct. Uh, and wow. quite a number of libraries, as I understand it. So yeah, it's it's out there. <laughs> oh, that's excellent. If it, um, available as as uh, as yeah. an ebook yeah, as well, e-book. of course. Uh, <sighs> yep, yeah, uh, that that you can get through either either through Amazon or through the or through the Inkshares website. Oh, okay. And, oh, excellent. Uh, excellent. And so, it's an audio book. Oh. Yeah. Yes. Uh, yeah, that's available through uh, audible.com uh and it's, and it's read by this uh this this wonderful guy um Raphael Corkill who does a who does a you know great okay. job you know with the with the interpretation uh, of uh you know just reading the whole thing oh that's wonderful that's that must be a pleasure for yep. for you to hear like when when somebody just captures it right like kind of like just just the way that you want it read yeah. so oh wow that's that's amazing well, that's excellent. Well, wonderful, wonderful. Um, yeah, I think I think that about wraps it up for my for my questions. Um, I want to say thank thank you so much for for coming on um, for for taking time out of uh, out of your <laughs> well, evening. That's no problem at all um, to come. Yeah, and it, it's just just wonderful, like to to just hear hear your story, hear hear your your thoughts. You know how how everything ties together for this story to be to be um created and um yeah very yeah because very cool very cool to like to uh to hear how this whole process came about and and now we have here i have your book right here uh in my hand and it's like yeah definitely look looking forward to uh to the next uh peterkin story so um yeah so again a Gentleman's Murder uh, by Christopher Huang. Um, all of the, I'll, I'll be definitely making a couple of posts through social media, um, and we'll we'll have links and everything where where uh, listeners can um, <laughs> can quickly locate the book. Um, all right, so um, all right. Hope you enjoyed that discussion, and I hope you enjoyed the awkward ending as well. Whoops. Again, links to the book will be posted on the podcast website 
firstworldwarpodcast.com and on Twitter and the Facebook. Just wanted to say real quick to the actor, Jack Devonport, if you happen to be listening, I don't think you're an arrogant person. You seem like an absolutely fine fellow. Uh, I just think you played the part of Commodore Norrington well, uh, and you'd be a great character for a film adaptation of this book. So just wanted to clarify. Questions, comments, or concerns, please don't hesitate to contact me at verdunpodcast at gmail.com or talk to me on the Twitter at at www1podcast. You can also go through the Battles of the First World War podcast page on the Facebook. And after some time of general neglect, I have, I'm getting back into using my website, uh, firstworldwarpodcast.com. You can communicate with me there as well. As always, thank you so much for listening. Talk to you again soon. Take care.